podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Paddock Blues Podcast. You can find us on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash paddock blues. Or you can email us at paddockblues at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Paddock Blues Podcast. I'm Paul and today I'm joined by Jake and Andy. How's it going, lads? You okay? I'll meet yourself. Yeah, it's uh, nice and grey here in Liverpool, but the sun is shining because Everton have got another win. Uh, massive win, really. Andy, how are you? Sorry, mate. How are you? Yeah, no, yeah, really well, thank you, mate. Uh, probably better than you, my Monday feeling dread's going to start a little bit later on, but you'll start in about four hours, doesn't it? So. Yeah, thanks, thanks for reminding me, mate. You're bringing me down straight away. By the way, for anyone who can't see this, Andy's decided to pop on Zoom. How we do our podcast with a fucking bright red t-shirt on. Um, this is his first it's official wa- warning. Had the Blues podcast. Wa- Any more of that, and you'll be off. It's a, it's a Washington Capitals hockey top. It's red, mate. That's all I care about. Cherry. Yeah, that's, not, Cherry. that's not much better, to be honest. <laughs> We're a Leafs podcast here. Ask Melinda. Yeah. We are, yeah. We're Maple Leafs all the way, aren't we? Yeah. Got about that. But now, uh, another fantastic result for Everton yesterday. Uh, massive win. I don't know by. Come to you first, Andy. I don't know about you, but that shaved years off my life watching that game yesterday. And we all know I'm the oldest one on the podcast. I don't need years shaving off my life. That was a, you know, my ass is twitching at the end there. How about yourself? Yeah, well, it's funny because we, we said in the group chat, didn't we, yesterday, Melinda uh, posted because obviously she was in work and she was like, oh, I can't believe I'm missing this game. I'm, I'm, I'm gutted. I was like, don't be. I've lost five years of my life. And I think. We we're only in the 65th minute when I said that. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it's been ages, I think, since we've been involved and won a game like that. I honestly can't remember the last time where it's been up and down, kind of all around, and we essentially got there by just sheer heart and determination rather than anything else. Um, so yeah, I've probably yeah taken five years off my life, but. It was worth it for the three points. Yeah, Jake, just to talk us through your feelings watching that yesterday, were you as nervous as, as I was? Because it got to a point, because I couldn't go to the game myself, you know, like getting away tickets to like rocking all shit at the moment, and I couldn't go. And I just I just sat there like a statue. I couldn't move. I was thinking, if I move, we're going to lose. So yeah. I was just sat very still for like the last 25 minutes. How, how were you feeling watching that game yesterday, mate? Uh, I was just I was I was in work myself, so I was just I was pacing up and down work, holding my phone, just watching, just waiting for like someone to distract me, so taking orders and stuff. But luckily, they never came, and and just again, a gay came up with the goods right at the end there, which obviously we're going to get onto. But yeah, just as Andy said, it's it took years off my life, but was worth it because the last the last couple of years we lose that game, we lose that game. Once we go, uh, once it comes back to two two, we lose that game four two because we just fold. Yeah. So it was uh, it was stressful, but in the end, it ended up being completely worth the stress, which is not you can't often say that about Everton. Yeah, Andy, would you agree that we've probably played better than that this season and lost? Because oh, what I mean by that, I, I I don't get me wrong. There was parts of that game yesterday where I thought we were we done really well, but if I'm being honest, and I I have to be honest, I thought Palace were the better team yesterday. Yeah, and I, I think, 
I think the way that I would kind of sum it up is I don't think that we were lucky to win, but I do think Palace were unlucky to lose. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought, obviously, we go one up very early on. Um, the best left-back in the league, Mikolenko, scoring yeah. two games in a row. Go on, the lads. Leighton um, Mikolenko. <laughs> You're better than that, Paul. You'll think of a better one. You normally get some really, really good puns in there. Oh, mate. Yeah. So, um, but no, I thought, and then obviously um, we just we didn't hold on to the the lead for very long, um, and then Palace really grew into the game. But I thought the 15 minutes leading up to half time in the first half were probably, you know, we were the team we we wrestled back the ascendancy and we were starting to look the more likely. We then go one nil up early. Uh, sorry, two one up early in the second half. But then it was just, we just couldn't get out of our own box. We couldn't put the passes together that we needed to do. And a lot of that was down to actually the intensity and the quality that Crystal Palace were playing with. But that being said, whilst it did put us under a lot of pressure, we had protected Pickford really, really well. Um, I thought Sarkovsky was absolutely superb yesterday. And then he had an unbelievable brain fart. I'm not too sure what's gone on, whether Picks was called for it, whether Edwards kidded him saying keepers and he thought it must have been picked but I don't know what's gone on there but it was absolutely criminal to to duck under that ball and then they get to 2-2 and then like Jake says you, your heart just goes in and you think for obviously for all the pressure we've been under you think we just it's just going to be a matter of time now uh, but again we gathered ourselves and then um, yeah Diana Gay picks up the ball little turn plays a 1-2 driving running to the box Great first touch, slot as it bottom corner, which you know he's famous for doing, so it was no surprise to any of us. Yeah, so that's it for now, then. Uh, up the top, he's just on the whole game up there. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, what I mean by that before is I don't, I don't necessarily mean that we meant to lose, but I think you summed it up perfectly. I do think Crystal Palace deserves something out of the game, but do I give a shit that he never got something out of the game? Nope. Do I fuck? I'm not bothered, you know what I mean? But Jake, what did you make of the team going in beforehand? I know Ashley Young was under quite a bit of scrutiny from Evertonians. No surprise there. I actually thought he had a really good game. Ashley Young, would you, would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, I thought it was probably one of the, the best games he's had in an Evans shirt. I don't think he was... Uh, he made any sort of lapses of judgment, which I think he can be accused of in the last few games, especially with the the red cards against... Those who shall not be named, and the the dangling leg for the the goal against against Brighton, but I think he was helped because I don't think Harrison had the time to sort of go on his runs like he has been doing. So he had cover there because obviously we we were playing without the ball a lot, which I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's the new thing. That's what we're going to do from now on. Um, yeah, I I thought. I think they did try and target him early on. Obviously, he's because of, because of his previous things. But I thought he sort of he never looked shaky like he has done in the in the, in the past in the last few games. Anyway, uh, I was surprised when he was named. I did think uh, Dyche would go with Nathan Patterson because of what has happened in the last few games. But can't fault him for yesterday. Uh, and I think Mikhailenko, we've all he's just. Proven a lot of us wrong. We've all we all said this, uh, at times last season he's crap. Who signed him? Who signed off on him? But he's really grown into his uh, his role as the best left back in the in the league. 
Yeah. Uh, I think we should call him Vital Eaton, Michalenko. Oh, Malenko Carlos. Just been thinking about that one. <laughs> Might as well stick with that one. <laughs> yeah, I I thought Branthwaite was a bit shaky at the start, but I think grew into the game. Uh, obviously, he gave the penalty away, which I'm sure we'll get on to, which I still don't think was a penalty. Uh, Tarkovsky, as uh, Andy said, I thought was fantastic. Marshalled the box for the entire game, apart from the three seconds of madness he had where he should have ended the ball away. Um, Decore, fantastic. Ran his legs off as as per usual. Um, do we know what happened with Onana? Saying that he, 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 his calf was feeling a little bit tight and he didn't want to, he said, I think I watched Sean Dice interview, he said he didn't want to cause a proper injury. Because right. he, okay. he, sort of, he could sort of see it coming. And that means like, you know, it's just a yeah. little niggle at the moment. He didn't want to turn it into a full-blown injury. That's good. We haven't had a manager who's willing to do that for a long time. They just played until he was injured. Previous regimes. I think we're finally reaping the rewards of the slow approach to Dominic Carvalhoon coming back as well. He just offers us so much up, up front. Even if he's not scoring, he's pulling defenders away and he's creating space for others to run into. And I think finally we're getting sort of the Dominic Carvalhoon we had under Carlo Ancelotti, which is only a good thing for Everton. Yeah. Andy, talk to me about the first half and a very Eze. I thought, obviously, when you're watching it, you're nervous because it's your team. I, I just thought he had the running of everything in the first half, especially, and you know, we're all massive fans of him. I thought Jared Brandt, we just didn't know which way to turn in the first half. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I do think he got a lot better in the second half, by the way, but I just thought we just couldn't get to grips with him at all. Could be in the first half, Eze. Good player, him, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, first half, he was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch for either side. Um, I mean, he likes to go down easy. And I don't care what Roy Oysen says, that lad does know how to dive. Um, but he, the, the the thing he did so well was he picked up that space in between defence and midfield, but also in between the left-back and centre-back. And it just allowed him to get on the half turn every single time that the ball was fed to him and they just between them all they didn't really know who to pick them up and then you know once you start running a, a centre half running back into his own box um, you're going to force mistakes and obviously I don't think either of them either of the incidents were penalties um, however you know if you do leave a leg out you do give them the opportunity to throw themselves to the ground and then give the referee a decision to make. But we hear it every single time, particularly from Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, contact with consequence. Neither of the contacts that he had on those occasions were enough to send him to the ground. He just did the faintest of contacts on both occasions and he just launched himself onto the floor. Um, but I think whilst he was heading shows the best pitch in the first half, I think the best player in the second half was Edris Gay. And him coming on and helping kind of drop that a little bit deeper and pick Eze up so he, he, he couldn't get the ball on the half turn all the time um, helped. Barcy was still effective in the second half. It slowed his impact down. I just yeah. don't know how he stayed uh, on the pitch. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that, Jake. I mean, we were talking obviously on the group chat. It's, it's, it's quite lively, our group chat. It's funny, isn't it, when Everton are playing like... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is. A few, uh, a few heads falling off, mainly mine. But... Uh, he tossed up about four yellow card defences there for me. I mean, the, the referee, I think the referee, in my opinion, was yeah, in he... two minds whether he, but yeah, he was shite, obviously. But <laughs> I, I think he was thinking in his head, I shouldn't have booked him for diving there. And he just thought, well, I've booked him for something I shouldn't have booked him for. And now, 
the ones that I should be going for, I'm just going to let him off. I just thought yeah. he, he he threw a couple of tackles in there, especially first half. I, I just I can't get my head around how he's seen the whole game out. See, the, the the thing I saw is I think he had to book him for diving because it was it was a dive. He's he's tried to obviously win win the second penalty. I don't you think need to be a... careful, more careful, or Brantwit. I'll add this on. I thought he's shown listen, it's gonna happen. You know, he's only a young kid and he hasn't got much experience, but I do think he sort of let it get to him a bit yesterday and he was he was flapping, wasn't he, in that first half? Yeah, I think it's the first time he's really come up against uh like a direct threat to him. Whereas he's also like he's come up against a lot of like pacey wingers and stuff. He hasn't really come up against a pacey sort of like central, more central midfielder, and I think they, he was targeted a little bit. But as uh, as Andy said, that the contact with consequences. Brantwood's got to make those challenges because if he doesn't make those challenges, that takes through on goal, and he's got it basically got just Pickford to beat, and that's. And I, I'm in another with the the Toronto Toffees. You know, a few of them were saying that they thought it was a definite pen the first one, and I'm like, he's where's his foot meant to go? He's got to put that challenge in, and Etsy's threw himself into him. He can't just make his legs disappear. But yeah. going going back to to that Etsy, I think the referee was was scared, was scared to send them off. I think if that had been the other way around at Goodison, I think maybe he would have been sent off. But I think obviously that Palace crowd's known for being quite lively, and they've got those. Ultras, which is just some divvy with a megaphone, and uh, he was scared to send them off because he didn't want to face the backlash. But yeah, I think I think Brantwaite's got a sort of sl- not necessarily slow himself down, but slow his brain down. I think he overthinks things a little bit sometimes, but that comes with experience because, again, as we said, he's only what 22, 21. Yeah, not even that. I don't think. No, it's twenty one. Yeah. That'll co- that will come with experience when he's uh, obviously England's Everton's ca- next captain because he's not going anywhere because we want three hundred million for him if anyone wants him. Yeah, I'm gonna go against the green, and it's not like me to go against the green. I think the first one was a penalty. I think it was a penalty. Me personally, thought he brought him down. If if an Everton player done that, I'd be made up with them. If Dominic Calvert-Lewin was to go through like that, he'd do exactly the same thing. He he stuck a leg out. He's invited the. It's not. If the game is full of cheats, that's just what it is. But if one of our players didn't do that, I'd be very upset with them. It's, a, it's just my opinion. Definite penalty for me, the first one. Second one, I, no, definitely not. I call it a modern-day penalty because even if you go back, like... Harry Kane wins them all the time. Exactly. I, I think 20 years ago, that wasn't a penalty. But the game has changed. So now that people do throw themselves around a bit more, that you see them given a lot more, unless you play for Everton. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, um, I know we touched on him earlier on, Andy, but I watched the interview with Sean Dykes today. I've 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 proper flooded myself with loads of Everton stuff, all the stuff on YouTube, and it's great, isn't it? When Everton win, you can sort of like properly get into it. And he's talking about Michael yeah. saying that he was impressed with him when he first arrived at the club, his defensive abilities, but now he's shown a different side to his game. And it's just all about confidence, isn't it? He's uh, he's hungry for goals for a left back. You can just see it. I mean, the first fifty seconds there, he's. He's on the edge of the area having a shot with his right foot. He's just like, and then he's he's adding the ball. And I think the commentator even went, he said a uh, goal by Calvert Luna first because I think he was shot. The left back was actually up that high, but now he's a uh, yeah. He's proven us all wrong, and he's especially myself. You know, I said he's he's never Everton's left back, but again, I've been wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong. But just talk to us about Vitaly Mikhailenko, please. 
Yeah, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? I think we do this sometimes as Evertonians, where like you can tell what a, a top lad he is. Like a really nice kids. We've all got a lot of sympathy for obviously what he's going through. You know, not long after going to the club, and you know he's got family having to fight a war in his homeland. Um, but then after a while, we kind of use that against him, as if to say, I don't care how nice a kid he is, he's shit, he shouldn't play for Everton Football Club. Um, but he's, for me, like I say, it's only a run of, you know, six or seven games, so we, just, we don't need to get carried away. But I think he's showing bit by bit his, his qualities. And I think it's the consistency in selection as well across the whole team. We're not making a lot of changes. He knows that he's playing with Dwight McNeil at the moment. And that was evident for like the first goal you know, 50 seconds into the game, he's on the edge of the box, he's taking a shot, deflects, comes out, resets the play, and he's the one scoring a bullet header. But if you notice, Ryan McNeil, he's not as far, quite as far up the pitch. He's basically, as the game, as the as that play progressed, Mikolenko's gone further forward, and McNeil's just sat there a little bit and said, don't worry, mate, I've got you covered whilst you go there. So he can go forward with that bit more freedom because he's got that relationship with McNeil where he knows that he's going to sit in and cover for him if he's caught out of position and Crystal Palace hitters on the break um, and like I say I think you know he had a few problems as well with Eze yesterday but I thought again that was more down to the position Eze was taking up he, he was taking up positions where it was that in between where you're not too sure who it is who's meant to be picking him up whether it's the centre half the centre midfielder or the left back Um but again, like, you know, his technique for the, the Corey goal, you know, absolutely brilliant dipping volley, hits the inside of the post, falls to the Corey. Um, and, you know, he's a big reason That's why... slow motion, that, wasn't you know, it? Yeah. But, you know, slow motion, the whole cap, that whole part in the play was... That whole part in the play was slow motion, though, wasn't it? Well, yeah, because Garner Gay's kind of miss it cross and Crystal Palace fans are going, hey! And then <laughs> yeah. falls to Mikolenko. On, on the volley, but you know, he's scored two and set up one of the four goals we've scored in the last seven days. So, um, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, I didn't even realize the Corey had scored until I like I was watching on my phone and it was, as you said, it was slow motion. It was only like the camera went to the Corey, and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And then obviously, I'd realized we'd scored. So, but I don't know if you noticed for that goal, the cheer for that goal wasn't really loud, but the cheer after the VAR give the goal was louder. Yeah, in the ground, yeah. the Everton fans sort of sort came to like. I think even when you can see the, the body language and the players when they're running away to celebrate, they're looking at the Corys to say, "Have you really scored there?" Because it, it was just everything just seemed to stop, didn't it? The, the, yeah. the goalkeeper stopped, Calvert Lewin stopped. Everyone's just like, "What's going on here?" That's just a a very un Everton like goal, wasn't it? No, and normally we would we wouldn't get them. They'd find a way to not give that for us. Yeah, I just uh, want to talk about a few players. Just, Popped in me a day. You mentioned his name before. What do you make of Dwight McNeil's performances, Jay? Do you think he's? I, I don't know. I, for me, yesterday, I I put a tweet out saying he needs to do more. But yeah. I think in hindsight, when I look back, and he, he's working really hard for the team, and we'd be lost without him. He just brings his balance on the left. He's an absolute. He's a big help to Mikhailenko. I just like to see him do a little bit more on the ball. Would you think that's fair? That's the. That's exactly what I would say. I I I put in the the group yesterday that I forgot he was playing. And normally, normally we say that's a good thing because obviously they're just doing their job. Whether it was in this situation, in hindsight, probably was. As you say, he gives uh, he gives Michalenko a lot more coverage because he will just run. He'll run and run and run until his his legs fall off. And I think that does allow Michalenko. It takes a little bit of pressure off Michalenko in terms of he hasn't got a 
he can get forward and he knows that if he needs a second to get back, Dwight McNeil is there to cover him or at least get back enough to shepherd him towards, like, say, Garnagay or Tarkovsky or Brantway to, to take the ball off the attacker. And I think it's sort of... Someone, someone put on there and it was like uh, the Peter Parker meme from Spider-Man when he puts his glasses on. And it was <laughs> Michalenko and McNeil and then he rubs his eyes or puts his glasses on, whatever, and it was Baines and Pina. And I was like... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if that's good, but it's getting close. It is. Yeah, there was close. a funny one yesterday in the first half, wasn't it? When Brand was having a hard time, someone put one of Michael Keane yeah, taking a mask it... off. It was a Brand <laughs> match with Michael Keane underneath. And some people are really quick, aren't they? Like, it's funny. Like, but uh, yeah, just sticking on player performances, Andy. I mean, we do look like a proper team now, don't we? There's, there's players going about the business just just doing really well. Like James Garner, he's, he's not very noticeable on the pitch, but he works. Effortlessly, and he, he he knits everything together, doesn't he? Same with Jack Harrison. I think I noticed yesterday we, we only go off social media, and you know, you're supposed to take it with a bottle of salt, like Jamie says. But people saying, Get Jack Harrison off, he's it's time to admit Jack Harrison's awful. I thought he was really good yesterday. He's getting his assists, yeah. He's been at Everton, I think he's played what four, four games, five games, he's got three assists. That's all you want from a winger, isn't it? But talk about tell me about James Garner and Jack Harrison in particular. I think they're integral to the way we play. Yeah, I thought I thought James Garner was magnificent again yesterday. Um, like I say, sometimes he does go a little bit unnoticed, but he just keeps the ball moving and keeps it simple. But what really impressed me yesterday was, I've, I've not seen any stats on him, but he seemed to just make so many like little interceptions, just nipping, win the ball. Um, he reads the game so well in terms of what the opposition are, are, are going to do. When they do those lazy little layoff five-yard passes just back, um, he just nips in and, and takes the ball away. Um, you know, he's still, still very, still a very young man, still very young in terms of playing his preferred position in the Premier League. Um, and I just think he gets better and better every every game. Um, I think we've got a, I think we've got a potential superstar on our hands with with that lad. I think he's, um, it's just he's a proper centre midfielder. Like you don't, I think these this day and age you. you when you're playing centre midfield, you kind of you have to get pigeonholed. Is he a ten? Is he a six? You know, is he, does he play the claw McAuley role? He's more of a bit of a an old school centre midfielder in the fact that he's just a centre midfielder and he can he can just do a bit of everything. Uh, Jack Harrison, I did I thought he was really poor against Brighton, but I thought he was terrific yesterday. I thought he defensively he he did his job perfectly. Um, he gave us gave us a lot of balance. Always gives an option. Always wants the ball. Um, like he's not a he's not a well beater, but he's for me he's, he does the basis of the game extremely well, and that shouldn't be underrated, particularly in an Everton side where we struggled to do that over the last few years. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a, another player I want to talk about, and I just think he's just massive to the way Everton play. He just runs himself into the ground, and he's starting to play like a, a centre forward now, and it's Abdelaziz Corey. Um. He's just integral to everything that Everton do. He's he's just Johnny on the spot. That's what Sean Dyche called him today. He's been Johnny on the spot since he got here. He assists, goals. He's just added a completely new, different dimension to his team. And you you, you would call him a shadow striker now, wouldn't you, Jake? He's him and yeah. Calvert Luna sort of got a bit of an understanding there. And I think he looks to me like probably the most popular lad in the team as well. They all seem to gravitate towards him. So, yeah, it's, it's just that. It. He's got that big, massive smile on him, so you just yeah. you can't be you can't be mad at someone with a smile that big. He just play he plays the he plays the game with a smile on his face, 
Uh, I think when we bought him, we sort of bought him to replace Garner Gay when he moved on, didn't he? But add more goals, and I think I don't think that was ever really his position. I think we have actually found his position now as that number ten because he, he I'm tired watching him. I don't know how he does it. I don't even think he takes the team bus home. I think he just runs home. I don't think he owns a car. <laughs> yeah. He just runs everywhere because he just doesn't stop. He must have. His heart must be massive to just keep pumping. His heart and his lungs must just be massive. I just don't know how he does it, and it's it's something Everton have sorely missed for so so long. Arguably since like since we had Lukaku and Barkley playing off him, or Delafeu coming in off to, off to play off him. It's just I think it's as probably even goes far to say he's, right now he's probably Everton's best player. He's probably our, he's definitely our most important player. I think when he's not on the pitch, we look like a completely different side. He offers us so much. He's got he's a, he's an outlet pass. He'll run back and break up play if he needs to. He's there for the the little snidey tap ins if you need them. But he'll also score worldies uh, like he did against uh, Bournemouth at the end of last season. And I just I don't think. I, I think he's integral to the spine of the team. Like everyone says, oh, Calvert Lewin, Onana, Brantway Pickford. I think you've got to throw to Corey in there for the spine of the team. I just I don't think Everton can play without him anymore. Yeah, definitely. He is basically our second centre forward now, isn't he, Andy? Yeah. I mean, he's found a position there that's not quite a number 10 and not quite a centre forward. I think you do call it a shadow striker now. It's a, yeah, as I say, he's massive for us, isn't he, to Corey? Yeah, on and off the ball. Um, whenever the ball goes up to Calvert-Lewin, Decore is always trying to run him behind. Um, but it again, it's, it's it's off the ball work. The the press starts with Decore. Like you know, Calvert-Lewin does his bit as well. Don't get me wrong, but Decore is always like he'll chase two, three people down, and he'll force them to put it long. He'll force them to 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 you know make a mistake with the pass. Um, like Jake said, you get you get tired watching him. Like he just does not stop from minute one, uh, whether it's with or without the ball. And um, you know he's a big reason why Everton are a Premier League football club. Um, his oh, performances yeah. uh, towards the end end of last season, uh, and he's not sat on his laurels. He, I think he's been even better this season. And um, yeah, I agree with everything Jake said. Like he's got to be one of your first names on the team sheet at the moment. He's he's. Just everything that we do good, he seems to be at the heart of. Yeah, I'm getting sort of getting Kale vibes from him, and I don't mean a similar type of player as Tim Kale, but certainly when it comes to important goals, Tim Kale would always pop up for us, wouldn't he? And scored a very important goal, and I think since Sean Dyche has been here to see the core, he's his go-to man and Mister Reliable, and he's another player who comes into a little bit of slack sometimes. I don't get it, but listen, it is what it is, but. Talking about coming in for a bit of slack, we were very critical of Sean Dyche on the last part about his use of substitutions, but I think it's it won it well it did. It won us the game yesterday, didn't it? Thought it's this again. Again, sorry to keep harping back to social media. You see people just heads falling off. This is a lad who has played for PSG at the very highest level. It's, I, I, this myth that his legs have gone, I don't know where that's coming from. This myth that He's supposed to be this ball-playing centre midfield. He wasn't that when he was here first time round. He's not going to be that now. So I don't know why people are expecting him to turn into prime Messi or Xavi or someone like that. But he just does his job and he's still got loads of legs for me. And I thought he was brilliant when he came on yesterday. And what was he doing for that goal? I mean, 
<laughs> it's just so not a this gay like is he you'd expect him to kill a pigeon in the crowd or something he's just slaughtered <laughs> at the bottom corner great goal Andy yeah I, I mean I think he's a big reason why we won that game yesterday I think he he, he was the best Eze was the best player on the pitch first half and over the 90 minutes Garnagay was the best player on the pitch for the second 45 I think he helped nullify Eze at one end uh, but also you know He's not. When I say he's the reason why we won the game, that's obvious because he scored the goal. But I don't just mean that. I thought his performance before that was exceptional. Um, but what I really enjoyed about that goal was, you know, Garnagay. You know, you're two two away from home after you've been under the cosh a little bit. What was it? The 86th minute of the game. Yeah. And you know, you kind of you you sitting midfielder or your deepest midfielder. He gets the ball on the half turn midway inside his own half. And you don't see this an awful lot from Garnagay, but it's obviously, I think it's a sign of the confidence that's going through Everton at the moment. He gets it on the half turn. When he drops it off, he then decides that I'm going to make a 20, 20 yard run here. Makes a, a run straight away, screens for the ball from Decore, gets it. The first touch makes it, gets it out of his body. Um, you know, Mitchell's done really well on the cover, and but Gay's got his shot away, goes through Mitchell's legs into the bottom corner. And just like we were saying before, things that just don't go for Everton, like, you know, just that finding that gap just in between his legs, you know, Everton haven't had that look recently for a long, long time. But they're yeah. starting to earn their own look now. Uh, and Garnagay certainly did that yesterday with, like I say, his endeavour to, you know, make that run in the 86th minute. You know, 2-2 two, two when you've been under the pump away from home. You, could, you wouldn't be blamed for thinking, you know, right, just hold on to what we've got here, but... He decided that wasn't wasn't what we were going to go for, and got us the three points. And um, yeah, the way that they all celebrated his goal and all the celebrations at the end with the away fans, it was, you know, I was absolutely buzzing to see it. Yeah, I think he was it's taking cool. the piss out of Dan Juma as well, wasn't he, with the uh, the yeah. sneak celebration? But Dan Juma seemed to like so. Obviously, there's a little bit of banter going on in the dressing room there. Like, but Jakey's obviously he's uh, been watching Messi in training at Paris Saint PSG. <laughs> And uh, he's what's it called? Manifested them there, doesn't he? Brilliant there. It was slotted it like a uh, proper striker there. That was I was shocked early because my stream went off for a minute, and you put on the uh, the group chat this well Garnagay, and I was like, really? And then it came yeah. on, it came on the screen straight away. He scored. I was like, wow, where's that come uh, from? But great goal, wasn't it? And he he, he had a good performance. He played well when he came on. Sorry to play well. Yeah, didn't he? I I think he sort of we we as Andy said, we did miss him in the first half. I think. Obviously, we're all we're all massive fans of Onana on this podcast, but I think that game need, needed basically someone to grab that essay by the scruff of the neck and say, "No, no, no, you're not doing this anymore." And it, when Idrissa Ganagay came on, that was his role, and I think it did change the way we played a little bit. I did do think we did sit a little bit deeper with him, but that goal was that if if Man City scored that goal, that goal's talked about for it for months. As that, just to go back to the call, like that three ball was a thing of yeah. beauty. Like as as I say, if like a Rodri or uh, Alexander Arnold or someone plays that three ball, everyone's just going nuts nuts about it. But it probably won't get the recognition it deserves because it is Everton. But I don't know what happened to it. This kind of get he rolled back the years. Not that he's ever really yeah. been a goal scorer. Just like he had long bust and run. As Andy said, he he, he dropped that ball off and then was like, ah, you know what? I'm just gonna keep going. And I wasn't out of. If you'd have put gone to my head and said, "Name them, name the person who's going to score the match winning goal tomorrow," 
on Friday, I would never in a million years have said to Drissa Gallagher. Not, I never a, had a, goal ahead of him, not a chance. <laughs> We're having goals though from all over the pitch, haven't we? Because you look at yeah. Michalenko, Decore, and Drissa Gay, which is, you know, I always like to see you centre forward scoring goals, but if you centre forward's not getting you, you, they need to be spread around the team, don't we? So that's a good sign as well, isn't it? Yeah, and that's, that's again something we haven't had in. in... In a, in a while, like especially last season, it was like if Cavaloon didn't play, which he often didn't because he was injured, we, we were essentially playing without a striker and no one was confident enough to score goals. And now it just seems that everyone's got the confidence to, everyone's got the confidence in the players around them that they can get forward and maybe, maybe take a chance here and there and score goals and spread them around the team. And again, take a little bit of pressure off Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I think we've we've covered most of that match. Then I just want to get you uh, man of the matches. Then um, can I go first? Go on. I was going to say up until that goal, Tarkovsky. I thought he was amazing for the for yeah. the whole game. He won absolutely every header. I don't know what's happened at that goal. Though. That's really bad. That that's just. I'm not gonna go too hard on him, but he's obviously heard some Alfella shouting in the crowd or something. Mine, and he's left it. It's just like. What happened there? Does anyone know what happened there? He's just left it, doesn't he, completely? It's weird as well, because you'd think after so long, he knows Pickford doesn't come for crosses. So, like, if he did get that shout of mine, it's, like, obviously not come from Pickford, has it? Yeah. That's, Pickford doesn't catch them. What I thought up, up until then, he, and even after that, he was brilliant, so he was going to get it, but it was either a toss-up between Decore and Mikhalenko, and I'll give it to Mikhalenko, me personally. I thought he was brilliant. He's had a hand in the first goal, had a hand in the second goal. He was up and down all game, and he fully deserves it for me. So, yeah, Mikhailenko gets it for me. Andy, I'll come to you next. Who was your man of the match? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually I'm going to give it to him anyway. I'm going to give it to Tarkovsky. Uh, don't get me wrong. I can see why many would disagree, because that mistake was a, it was a shocker of a mistake. And, but I thought particularly first half, when we were like under the ropes, Brantwaite, um, you know, had, had a... A poor half, certainly by his standards. Um, but I just thought the way that he marshaled the defence, you could just see him talking all game, getting people into position, not just only in defence, but the midfield front of him. He was absolutely everywhere. He has had one major mistake, but outside of that, I thought he was utterly superb yesterday. So, um, so yeah, I think if we if we hadn't have gone on to get the win, I couldn't have given it to him. But because in the end, it's not Costas, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to give it to to Big Tarky. No, fair enough. I thought, honestly, I thought he was immense up until just that moment. He just had a bit of a brain fart there, didn't he? And it's just, but obviously he hasn't cost us. So, but I just think for me personally, Michalenko just edges it because of that. That's all. But gee, who, who would be us? I'd be hard pushed to give it to anyone but Michalenko. But to give it to someone else, just to keep it diverse, I think it would have to go to Decore. Yeah. I just don't think it's just the fact he doesn't stop running is just incredible. It's like like ninety minutes of running, and you said you did you did what four k yesterday and your entire body was hurting. Yeah, <laughs> it was me. Yeah, I think they they gave a stat on that we have a I think over here called Fubo. It's like how we watch the Premier League. I think they gave a a stat the first half to call it run six and a half kilometers in in the in forty five minutes. And I was just like Jesus, so. What's that seven? Yeah. Nearly fourteen over over the course of a match. It's pop, I think the average for a Premier League goal. is about ten and a half, eleven k, isn't it? A game. That's, 
that's the core is warm up for most. Of the... Yeah, I seen a mad stat yeah. the other day saying that Onana's clocks is the fastest player in the Premier League. No, for Everton, Everton's fastest. Oh, was it player. for Everton? Yeah, over like a, a sort like a certain distance, he he he, he clocked the uh, it's high the highest, speed, yeah. the highest average speed over a certain distance. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Onana, did you guys did you guys see him run when uh, Ghana gave scored? He run like eighty yards from the bench. Yeah, to celebrate and got yeah, booked. He, he <laughs> got booked. booked yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got booked for over celebrating. <laughs> yeah, no, what something just popped in my head there, and I meant to bring it up, but because I'm stupid, I didn't. Um, is this a guy going back to him in a minute? Is there a place for him in the starting lineup, or do we just have to use him like that? I think he has Anyone to be used like that. that. I think that's what. Yeah, I think he. It... We uh, sorry, Andy. We uh, Onana offers us too much in terms of passing and playing the ball that we can't replace him. I think James Garner's just too good. I think James Garner's a genuine world-beater. He's, he's something Everton have, haven't had in forever. I don't think you can drop him. And we can't. you can't drop to Corey. So I think Garner-Gay's, unfortunately, for us, as good as he is, I think he is going to be that player that comes on maybe when we need to shore a game up or when we need to when we need to uh, bottleneck a player like he did yesterday with Etsy. It's better to him as well, though, isn't it, Jay? Because what game is it when you know he's pulled up in the in the warm up and it was it uh, Bournemouth at home and Onana's ended up playing and we won three you know, and Yeah, it would have been easy for him to sulk and say, "Well, that's it, I'm out the team now." But he's come in the team yesterday and he and he played. I thought he was great last week, by the way, against Brighton. I thought he had a really good game and he's he's come in yesterday and he's he's won us the game and his overall performance was great as well, wasn't it? So it's a credit to him as a professional that he's come in and he's and he's performed like that. But yeah. Just going back to that question, Andy, is there a place for him in the starting lineup, or is that we just have to use him like that? I think it gives us the opportunity to be flexible. I think there's certain certain games where I think he might be one of the still could be one of the first names on the team sheet, particularly away from home. Um, but you know, football, particularly when you're Everton, we don't have the luxury of getting to rest for too long without an injury or a suspension coming up. So, you know. Whilst we might say, you know, if we're going for our first 11, you might not quite make it, you know, there's going to be knock suspensions where, you know, we do we do have genuine quality in the centre of midfield. And I can't remember the last time we had four centre midfielders that we were all happy to, to see start week in, week out, because it's just an area that we've been really, really weak on for a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's a good quandary to have. And I think there are certain games where he will be used. but. If we were, I think, if we were to name our best eleven, I don't think he'd quite make it at this moment in time. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, what do you think about that, Paul? What would you say? I, I just think he, I, I think it's got to stay the way it is. I don't think you'd, you'd mess it around with James Garner and Onana in the midfield and Takori playing where he is, and you need the balance of Harrison and McNeil. So, unfortunately, as much as I, I do actually, I love Adrisagana guy. I think he's probably. The player who I like most in Everton's team, uh, to be honest with you, not that's just just like his ability, just him. I like him. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. To use him like that, and I don't think he's a player who'll sulk. It's all about the team, but it's just a guy, isn't it? So he come. I don't think he'd be scoring goals like that every other week. Like, but his <laughs> his overall performance is great, and yeah, I just no. But to answer the question, no, I don't think there's a place for him in the starting lineup. But um, obviously that's that game out the way. Um, I put out on Twitter today. I've obviously gone in really hard at the beginning of the season on Sean Dyche, after, especially after Arsenal at home. 
I didn't want to see him in the Everton dugout ever again. I'll be honest with you. I think I was justified at the time. I probably have gone over the top in through Paul Brown style, but it is what it is. But I'm fully on board now with this show with Sean Dice's time today. You can you can see that these players are all playing for him and playing for each other and playing for the bags most importantly. And yeah, I just uh, like to put it out there that I am fully behind the manager now. Like I uh, that's how easy it is. That's that's football and football fans are very, very fickle and I'm probably one of the most fickle Evertonians out there, but yeah, I'm I'm more than happy to stick with Sean Dyche now. I don't know how you feel. I don't know whether he's. I'll come to you first, Jake. How, how do you feel about the manager now? I think Jamie did, Jamie said it the best in the in the the group. He said he's done what we wanted him to do. He's proved us wrong, and like we're all big, we're all big enough and ugly enough here to admit when we are wrong. And I think we were all mostly wrong about Sean about about Dyche. I still think he does have his criticisms. I still think sometimes he looks scared to change the game, bring on substitutions, etc. But he's done what we wanted. He's turned us into a, a a pretty solid, if not if not spectacular, football team. I think there's a lot more about us now. I think that we've actually got some some form of identity. And I uh Yeah does it sorry to interrupt, does it does it annoy you at all when we seem to get ahead in games and then we sit back, or do you just think that's just something we're going to have to accept? I think it's just something we're going to have to accept. I think that's... Sean, Sean, I think Sean Dyche is happy to win games of football 1-0. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you only have to win 1-0. Don't you? Point, uh, you, you get the points at the end, uh, whether, you, whether you win 8-0 yeah, or 1-0. No. Yeah. You get the same amount of points. So I think he is happy to, to win 1-0. I think I would like him to see especially at home, maybe go a bit more expansive. I can understand it a bit more away. But I think that's, as we've all called it, I think that's Dyche ball now, isn't it? I think this is what we're in for for the at least the foreseeable future till we can sort of stabilise ourselves even more. Yeah. Andy, come to you on Sean Dice. I don't think you would ever really... I think we were trying to switch your arm and join us in the Dyche camp, but I think you stood your ground. And I think you were, you were wavering a little bit at the time, weren't you? But just give us your feelings on Sean Dyche now. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I said at the start of the season, I think he's the right man at the right time for Everton Football Club. I I didn't, I, I never went into the Dyche camp, but I did say after the performance, the first half performance against Doncaster, the way that, the, the performance against Aston Villa and then the performance against Arsenal all in a short period of time, I've, I've you know, I quite rightly, I think, asked the question is you expect, you know, minimum standards of a Sean Dyche football club is that or a football team is that they're hard to break down, they're difficult to beat and they're giving you everything. And we didn't see those things in, in, in those performances. And, you know, we were in a position where I'd, I'd said... You know, the next couple of games, he needs to get results. Um, otherwise, doesn't matter who you are, people are going to ask questions about your position. Um, but he's gone out there, he's got those results, and he, you know, and we can see what he's building. Uh, he's being true to his word. He said he wanted to, you know, build a team that the Everton fans could connect with, not necessarily the most fluid, but they could see that they were giving everything for the shirt week in, week out. And I think in the main, we're, we're starting to see that now. Uh, results picking up. Um, and, you know, like I say, the minimum we expect is that they go out there and, and, and give their best, and that's what they're doing at the moment. So, yeah, long may continue. Yeah, it feels like Everton again, doesn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's probably the best compliment I can I can pay him. It actually feels like Everton football club again. Just a little interesting stat, interesting stat before we go. 
This is the furthest away Everton have been from the Premier League drop zone in 743 days. That's just incredible, isn't it? I mean, Jesus Christ. I think we're only like 14th, aren't we? And it feels like we're uh, in a Champions <laughs> League spot or something. That's just a little bit of breathing space. That's all we wanted, isn't it? From that bottom three. That's it. Assuming we don't get a points deduction. Something else I want to ask just popped in my head. Now that we're at the international break, Andy, do you think we'll hear news on this FFP hearing during this two weeks? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think we'll. I think we'll find an answer before. I, I w- wouldn't surprise me if we find out early part of this week. I don't know for certain that's going to happen. Um, I think. I think we'll be okay. I think the rumours are that it's going to be a thirty million pound fine and six points suspended. I think we'll all take that. Um, where this money comes from, the fine, I don't know. But I don't know if part of that's going to be suspended as well. Um, but yeah, it's. Obviously, we're not getting carried away, but it's just as always with an Evertonian, it's balancing the fact that yeah, fourteenth isn't good enough for where we want to be, and but from where we have been, being eight points clear of the relegation zone at the start of the season, it's progress. So yeah, yeah, we're not saying it's good enough for Everton Football Club. However, um, I think it's good for for where we where we have been, and for the particularly for the hand that Sean Dyche has been dealt over the summer. You know, we've not had much money to spend. We've lost players, as we have done for the last couple of years now. So, yeah, up the top is. Yeah, Jake, six wins from nine in the last nine, I think. Uh, a dodgy defeat at Anfield. Don't care what it was. It was a dodgy defeat. Robbed again. Um, back-to-back away wins and in the quarterfinals of the Cups. It's not that bad, is it, really? I mean, considering how bad it's been, do you know what I mean? It's actually really... It's good times, isn't it? <laughs> to use that little phrase, like <laughs> it's all right. We're all right, aren't we? Going into this international break, definitely, mate. Like considering the the horrendous start of the season we had when we were we were all the way bottom, most second bottom of the league, to be where we are now, it's like I think if you'd have offered me fourteenth at the end of at the end of last season to like to finish this season in fourteenth, I'd have bit your hand off. I don't think I don't. While we can complain about it, I don't think we can really complain about it. Like I think. That is about where we are. Uh, to go back even further, I think if we hadn't have had that absolutely awful performance against Luton and got something from that, we'd have we'd have only lost one game in what like eleven or something. To go back even further, uh, and then obviously yeah, that was a, a horrific refereeing performance at Anfield. I don't don't care what anyone says. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just it's glad to not be. Constantly looking over, it's nice. Sorry to be const- not constantly looking over your shoulder, thinking or or checking other checking other teams' results because we're actually getting the results on the pitch ourselves, and you don't need to rely on anyone else if you do the job yourself, do you? So hopefully, it's only onwards and upwards from here, and this international break doesn't kill our momentum. Yeah, just a few little things before we go, Andy. Away from home, Everton team set up to play away from home. The perfect away team at the moment. But we need going forward now, I think Sean Dice will probably realise we need to sort Goodison out now, don't we? It's it's important that we we start getting results at home. It's it's still not good at home, is it? Let's be honest. No, if you've I mean if you've had a, a you know, Wolves, Fulham, Luton, three games that we've lost, you know, they you would expect the minimum you should be getting from that is five, seven points at least. Do you know and pick it all we're doing at the moment is essentially replacing those points by picking up points you wouldn't expect us to get away from home. Um 
so yeah, we need to get Goodison back to to being how it should do. But I think the I think the fans will come. We're not we're not going to the game with that fear and that anxiety as much anymore. It's starting to dissipate slowly. So I think that'll that'll help with the atmosphere or help with the tension in the crowd if things aren't going too well after the first 10, 15 minutes. So I'm confident that it'll that it'll come and we'll, we'll uh, yeah, we'll fly up the league come uh, come the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, Man United next with Noel Ten Hag in the technical area out of the is third booking so he will be suspended, which is you know it's we don't get any luck at all to us, do we? We could do it in being there, to be honest. Like, but... <laughs> yeah, but uh, nice one for joining us. But just, just a little thing, yo. We, we've got a couple of episodes coming up this week. We've got a little bonus episode for you coming up. So stay tuned. And uh, yeah, lads, another great win. And uh, it's good to be blue. So uh, thanks for joining us. And up the toffees. The toffees. Up the toffees. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 